You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. I'm here. Aaron's back. Aaron was on a cruise to the Bahamas. Did you have a good time? I did. Got to relax a lot. Got to enjoy some nice weather, some good drinks, and uh, experience an NFL Sunday in a way I haven't done in a really long time. On a ship. Well, not just on a ship, but on a ship where I could watch one game, the one game they presented in each time <laughs> just slot. Just one game? You know, they, they presented one game in each time slot. Yeah. I didn't have Twitter. Uh, so uh, it, it was like, you know, no back in Twitter? high school or something. No, because we didn't have internet or anything. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it was just kind of, it was like uh, the early 2000s watching football. That's funny that, that um, that because I have not been on a cruise for many years. The last cruise we did was an Alaskan cruise, and it was very, very pretty and and nice, but it was 43 degrees and raining sideways every single day that we were on this cruise from Vancouver to all portions of, of Alaska. And um, and I, I can't remember how disconnected I was. You know, it's funny because, you know, a lot of people, when they travel and they take vacation, they completely check out. It's a way to completely unwind from their mm-hmm. job. And I've always, you know, we, we're, we're lucky, um, and, and I appreciate this and have always appreciated this, that I get to do something that I love doing. I don't hate going to work. I actually really look forward to going to work. I'm always thinking about going to work. So when I take vacation, I never really check out. I check out from the day-to-day of preparing for a show, which, you know, a lot of you think, oh, you just show up for three hours and do a show. There's actually a lot of thinking about this show on a daily basis. Those of us that do this, you're always thinking about the next show. You're never checked out. Whether you're watching games or you're, there's news that breaks or you're coming up with ideas um, for the next show, you're always thinking about and planning for the next show. When this show's over, I always sketch out what tomorrow's show is going to be. But it changes so much and you have so many different ideas. And then when you have some really good ideas, then you spend time sort of developing those ideas on the best way to do it on, on a show. Anyway, I digress because what I was saying is when I go on vacation, I'm still watching sports. I'm still on Twitter following what's going on in the world of sports because it's what I love doing. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a it's been a hobby in addition to it being a profession. So I can't remember the last time that I was completely disconnected. There are days where we I take off where I'm disconnected from Twitter and social media. Definitely, I I don't have a lot of patience for it in general. Most of you probably know that. I'm not sitting there on Twitter all day, tweeting all day and responding to tweets all day. It's not what I enjoy doing. Um, but I've, I've checked out from that space completely before Aaron, but never from, Hey, uh, it's an NFL Sunday. I'm on vacation. I'm still watching games. Right. Although I can't remember the last time, do you know, contractually really, I've never been able to take significant time off during what we call our high season, Mm -hmm. which is football season, you know, Labor Day through the Super Bowl. Um, Most of us aren't really able to take significant time off because it is the bigger and more important ratings period of the year um, for everybody. But anyway, um, today's one of those days that's a little bit weird because we're going to do a podcast here this morning, have it out to you by, I guess, noon today. 
you know, somewhere around 12 noon. And then Ron Rivera is going to be introduced as the new head coach at 2 p.m. today. So we'll do a lot of follow-up on that press conference tomorrow. So there's still a lot to talk about prior to that press conference, but a lot of the things that we talk about and even speculate about may be answered later on this afternoon, which happens all the time. But I'm just saying today, you've got a planned press conference. The Redskins officially announced um, Ron Rivera as the head coach yesterday uh, via a press release um, from the organization um, that said the following. Um, the, the, they sent it out at 7.01 a.m. yesterday. Uh, the Washington Redskins today announced Ron Rivera as the team's new head coach. Uh, head coach, that's it. No additional title. I had suggested that I thought, <clears throat> I, I said that I thought that there would be an additional title, you know, vice president, football ops, executive vice president, and head coach, whatever. Um, but he didn't. He just had the uh, title of head coach. Um, there were two quotes in the press release, one from Dan Snyder and one from Ron Rivera. The quote from Dan Snyder read, quote, after several meetings with Coach Rivera, it was clear he's the right person to bring winning football back to Washington, D.C. He is widely respected around the league as a man of great integrity and is proven to be one of the finest coaches in the country, closed quote. That's everything we talked about the other day um, is Ron Rivera. He is a good coach. He's also a highly respected man. A guy who is a big-time leader and a man of integrity, great integrity, as Snyder said. You know, it's nice to start thinking about this organization with quality people in it. It's been a while. You know, it's been a while. Um, Now, Ron Rivera, his quote, and we'll have many more to talk about tomorrow from the press conference, but his quote in the press release quote, while I loved the storied, while I love the storied history of the franchise, I am focused on the future and excited for the opportunity to win football games with this talented young team. After meeting Dan Snyder, it was clear we are aligned in our passion for the game and he supports my vision to turn the team around. I look forward to surrounding myself with great people and getting to work. Closed quote. Just a couple of things on this quote. First of all, I am glad that he did not drone on and on about the storied history of the franchise. He says, while I love the storied history of the franchise, I'm focused on the future. We have spent way too much time in these press conferences over the years, coaches, you know, McLuhan, whatever, all of that stuff, with the three Lombardi trophies out there and waxing nostalgic. It's, it's, it's too much. It's over. You know, um, I, I don't – after the last two decades – um, enough on the three Lombardi trophies. They're just too far long ago to think that they'll have any impact on anything in the present future. We've heard too much nostalgia in recent introductory press conferences for coaches and others. And I'm hopeful that we won't get a lot of that today in the press conference. At this point, I just think the Redskins are actually starting to realize, maybe Dan is starting to realize, that the mere mention of the past makes the recent past and present look so much worse. Not to mention the fact if you're at all superstitious, it just it's a jinx to keep talking about the past. Nobody cares about it anymore. I remember it. I remember all those games. Every once in a while I'll get caught up on YouTube at, you know, midnight or 1 a.m. in the morning watching a Redskins Cowboys game from 1983 and, and being excited like it was live. But it just doesn't matter, and there's been too much of that resting. And, 
you know, um, Ben Standig was on radio with me this morning, and he said something, and I, I, I don't think I'd thought about it this way, but it's like, you know, every time, you know, he's brought those things out, the trophies, and talked about the great history of the Redskins and the, you know, the great passion of the Redskins fan base, you know, he's basically jumping on something that was done, you know, prior to him getting there. And it's too much, you know, of, hey, look at what we have when it wasn't his. It was his maybe as a fan, but it certainly wasn't his as an owner. Anyway, uh, I hope that there's not a big um, emphasis today. And based on the press release, I'm expecting that there won't be on the past. I also, just as a quick aside, and I didn't pick up on this um, earlier this morning or yesterday, but I just it just occurred to me as I was just reading it now. You know, in this quote from Ron Rivera after meeting Dan Snyder, I'm sure many times if I went back and found press releases in the past, it was after meeting Mr. Snyder. Uh, Dan Snyder should be Dan Snyder to Ron Rivera. Should not be Mr. Snyder. Uh, that's just my view. Uh, Ron Rivera is uh, is he older? He's older than Dan Snyder. Um, and I think that 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 ship has sailed on that too. Too many stories about you know people not being able to look the owner in the eye, and you know if you're walking around, don't don't, don't look at him, and everybody's got to address him as Mr. Mister. Too much of that uh, going around with too little winning to back it up. Um, anyway, just a quick thought. I'm looking forward to seeing him today. Um, I'm a Ron Rivera fan. I'm a fan that Bruce was let go. And I tweeted out the other day, um, yesterday in fact, I tweeted out yesterday morning, new year, new decade, new outlook, question mark. Um, it is for me. I'm in a different place right now. I am. I'm, I'm not bought in. Trust me, I'm not diving in head first. But I'm dipping my toes a little bit into this because the Bruce Allen, Jay Gruden, Bill Callahan, the last few years have been the darkest of the Snyder era. They were. And maybe the worst is yet to come. I'm not going to suggest that the worst couldn't be ahead because you're totally justified in thinking that. And I'm not discounting it. But if you think that already, you're, you're it's not an irrational thought. It's in play. But for now... Um, to me anyway, there's at least the perception that, that the team's moving to a different place. No matter how long or short it lasts, they're moving to a different place. And so therefore, because it's been so dark recently, I'm in a different place, at least for now. Bruce is gone. You know, the arrogance, the, pr- the, the pretension, um, you know, the delusion, um, uh, the incompetence, um, it's, it's gone. A lot of it's gone with him. I'm not saying it's all gone. You know, be be careful what you you know declare to be definitive, because I know still some of those people in that building, and they will get all chesty today about hiring Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio. You know, and they'll already start acting like they've won something. Let's see how this progresses. You know, if you start hearing big proclamations in the off season, you know, and in training camp then Ron Rivera's not making the impression on, and changing the culture the way I, I hope that it gets changed. But, you know, he the arrogance with Bruce Allen, you know, the, the, um, the, the, the real condescension that sort of came with his style, at least for me right now, appears to be gone, and I'm hopeful because of that. They've also hired a coach that I've always liked. I know he's not Bill Walsh or Joe Gibbs or Don Shula 
or Vince Lombardi. Those guys aren't walking through the door. They're not coming through the door. All right. Well, two, two of them can't come through the door. Um, but no one like that is coming through the door to this franchise right now. Well, I mean, you know, the fact that they got Ron Rivera is yep. a is is pretty impressive because he's better than I thought they would have been able to attract. Part of that is because Bruce is gone. But Ron Rivera has been a good football coach, a good man, big-time leader, big-time leader. He has been. You can look at his record and say in nine seasons in Carolina, he lost, had a losing record in six of them. But that really doesn't tell the whole story. He came into Carolina – 2-14 and 14 franchise in 2010, and he turned it around. He turned the culture around. Um, he turned the style around, um, and he didn't have nearly the decision-making authority there that he will have, I presume he will have here. Um, but he went to the playoffs four times in nine years. One of those was with a losing record in 2014. He won a season finale game on a Sunday night final against Atlanta, 34-3. to They went into Atlanta, crushed the, the Falcons to win the division with a 7-8-1 and record. So one of the years that they did not play well and had a losing record, they did go to the postseason, and they won a playoff game. They did. They won a playoff game. That year they won the division as a 7-8-1 winner. They beat the Arizona Cardinals 27-16 and then went on the road and lost at Seattle in the divisional round. Um, Part of the reason he's had a couple of losing seasons in a row, though, to be fair, is they were 6-2 last year and then Cam Newton played but was not healthy the remaining part of last year. And they went from 6-2 and two to 7-9. and nine. This year didn't even have Cam Newton, really. And when he got fired, they were 5-7. and seven. So two of the nine, I'm sorry, two of the six losing seasons in nine years were without a, a healthy starting quarterback, which almost any coach is going to struggle with. But I like the fact that he's been through this before, that he's been through a situation that had a culture problem, that had a losing problem, that had a lot of issues, and he turned it around. I like Ron Rivera. I'm bullish on Ron Rivera. His staff is starting to come together. Jack Del Rio is in. That was announced. That is another adult and proven defensive coordinator set to join Rivera here. Rivera's respected. He's going to attract a competent, if not stellar, staff. He will. So... Bruce Allen gone, Ron Rivera, and a competent, if not outstanding staff? Okay, I mean, I'm in a different space because of those things. Also, second pick in the draft. They didn't blow that down the stretch. You know, and they could add a great player to the roster. Maybe a great defensive player in Chase Young. I'm still all in on Chase Young at number two if he's there. But at the very least, they're going to have a chance to leverage that into more picks. And more players. Um, Here's what you know for sure about what's happening in the Redskins organization. No more Bruce, new coaching staff. And with the new coaching staff, you're going to get a coach that's going to come in here with some power. Now, it may be fool's gold power. It may be fake power like it was with Shanahan. And the owner ultimately will screw it up. But for the time being, you're going to have somebody – Um, in the building that has great respect around the league, who's hard-nosed, who's a a leader, um, who knows how to coach um, and find players that fit into his system. At the the very least, they're going to be better defensively. That's a minimum. 
they've been so I mean, not very hard to exceed what they've been here in recent years defensively. But I'm excited about them defensively with, under this new coaching staff. Now, in terms of what is the upside with Ron Rivera, this is where I'm not jumping headfirst and saying, huh, just wait. They're going to they're gonna win divisions. They're going to have a chance to go deep into the playoffs with Ron Rivera. No, no, no. I'm not there yet. I'm just in a different place knowing that, hey, uh, the last week we got rid of Bruce and we got a good coach, and we're probably going to get a good coaching staff along with the good coach. But achieving something great like sustained winning, which this organization has never been able to produce under Dan Snyder's ownership, it depends on two things more than anything else. Number one, Dan Snyder. Will he own the team differently moving forward? Most of you say no. I would lean no um, because we've got nothing Nothing uh, in his history here is an owner that says he's going to change and that he's going to stay out of it completely. I do believe he was less involved over the last decade, but he was involved enough. He was involved enough to mess up the RG3 situation. He was involved enough to somehow talk him, talk Mike Shanahan in his first three months of being the head coach into trading for Donovan McNabb. Um, his relationships with players really undermined the coaching staff's ability to coach players. Um, We've seen that over and over again. We've seen a front office and coaching staff be disconnected during the Jay Gruden era. Um, He's got to own the team differently. That's a wild card. Maybe not even a wild card. Maybe it's an absolute given that he won't change. But let's just, you know, assume right now if they're going to achieve sustained winning, they got rid of Bruce, they got a coaching staff. Now it depends on two things, the owner and then the quarterback. They've got to get the quarterback right. Nobody wins without a good quarterback. Nobody has sustained winning without great quarterback play. So is Dwayne Haskins the right guy? What if he isn't the right guy? Will Ron Rivera be able to say, sorry, Dan, uh, you know what? He's a nice young man. Uh, We're going to go sign Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers is available. We are going to sign Phillip Rivers. Or we're going to sign Cam Newton. We're going to sign Ryan Fitzpatrick. I've spent three months, two months with him. We're now in free agency. Uh, I've, I'm, we're going in a different direction. Will he be able to do that if that's what he believes is right for the organization? So the wild cards here, Snyder, the quarterback position. I believe that he probably told Snyder, I've watched enough of Haskins. I believe in Haskins on tape. i got to get to know him. I can't tell you that I'm going to be committed to him forever. I hope he didn't say that. But I like what I've seen on tape. I like what I've seen on tape. I like what I've seen live. I think Dwayne Haskins made a lot of progress. I'm excited about him in 2020. Um, But I am more, more um, interested to see if Ron Rivera wanted to move on from Haskins at some point, would he be able to do so? We may find out some of those questions starting today. Um, And speaking of some of those questions, I think at that press conference today, you need to hear what Ron Rivera's Uh, you know, true clout is going to be beyond head coach. Is he going to have final say over, over the roster? Is he going, is the GM going to report to him? Um, What's the structure? What's the front office structure going to be like? How much did he ask for and get to come here? You'd have to think that Ron Rivera coming here, that it was about multiple things, kind of like the roster, kind of like the opportunity to take a team rock bottom and turn it around like he did with Carolina. But everybody warned him about Dan Snyder. Everybody warned him about Bruce Allen. Bruce Allen's gone. 
Joe Gibbs probably said, you can work with Dan. Dan wants to win. You can work with him. But maybe Joe said, you got to make sure that you get this level of control. You got to have final say over this. You can't have him in the locker room. You can't have him developing relationships with players that supersede your relationship with a player, that put you in a difficult spot. Certainly Mike Shanahan would be able to tell Ron Rivera that. Um, You want to find out what kind of clout Ron Rivera has. You want to find out what he thinks of Dwayne Haskins. I'd like to know that today. You'd like to find out what he thinks of the second pick in the draft, about other talent on the team. You'd like to know what he thinks about Trent Williams and the opportunity that Trent Williams may have to come back and play. What he thinks about Josh Norman. I will tell you right now, I don't think Josh Norman's coming back. There's a 12 to $13 million cap savings opportunity by releasing Josh Norman. They're going to need that cap space. Um, you know, th- that is a part of the uh, equation here for for Ron Rivera that probably looked good other than the Alex Smith deal, but the opportunity to release a guy like Josh Norman or trade a guy like Trent Williams or trade a guy like Ryan Kerrigan or cut a guy like Jordan Reed and end up with significant salary cap savings. Remember this about Josh Norman. They rescinded the franchise tag on him. Now, that may have been a GM decision back in 2016. You know, that was one of the big moves that Bruce Allen made during his tenure here. That and Landon Collins, really, I mean, and Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson, Josh Norman, Landon Collins. The biggest, you know, acquisitions of the Bruce Allen era in terms of big names, big dollars. Alex Smith trade obviously would fit into that conversation as well. But a a hell of a lot fewer than what had happened the 10 years prior to Bruce Allen. But, you know, they rescinded the the Norman franchise tag. They couldn't get a long-term deal with him, uh, done with him, and they moved on from him. And so I wonder whether or not, uh, you know, that uh, whether or not Norman is a guy that that Rivera even wants, especially at this point in his career, where I think his abilities perhaps, um, you know, the the capabilities that he has perhaps are less than what he had uh, when he was a Panther. Um, last thing real quickly, um, before we get to a couple of other things, um, defensively, there's been a bunch of reports and actually Jack Del Rio told Ben Standig, we're going to be, we're going to be a base four, three defense, which is great to hear because they really have players that are more, they're better suited to a one gap responsibility scheme up front rather than two gaps. Okay. Two gaps is you're essentially trying to eat up blockers, two blockers, to make to allow your linebackers to make plays. Deron Payne, John Allen, Matt Ioannidis, Montez Sweat are one-gap, four-three players. They just are. That's what they're best suited to doing. That doesn't mean much because you're not in your base defense the majority of the time anyway. But for all of you that have really sweated this, that have really felt like this has been a major, major problem – and misstep by the organization along the way. I, I felt the same way at various times. You know, Ryan Kerrigan's a defensive end, just so you know. He's not an outside linebacker in a in a 4-3 defense. He's not a strong side or weak side outside linebacker in a 4-3. He's a D-end. So now you have Ioannidis, Payne, Allen, Sweat, Kerrigan. Right now, on your roster, five spots, five guys, four spots. You've got Settle on that roster, too. Doesn't mean I look. I take right now having too much talent at positions than having not enough. You know uh, who are your ends? Well, Sweat's one of them. I think the other one's John Allen. I had this conversation. Remember, I did this on the podcast a week or two ago about why haven't they just at least tested the four three? Maybe I did it three weeks ago. Um, I think Allen 
is more the D-end than Ioannidis. I had this conversation with Cooley. Cooley's like, Ioannidis can play D-end too. Um, Kerrigan can obviously be a defensive end if they end up keeping Kerrigan. Uh, and maybe Kerrigan would be a more impactful 4-3 defensive end. Well, you remember when he came out in the draft, he was being touted as a 4-3 and one yeah. of the... I don't, wouldn't say criticism, but one of the questions about the Redskins picking him was, could he translate into right. that? Right. Arakpo, the same thing. Yeah. Coming out of Texas. Um, Sweat needs to be a D-end in a 4-3 scheme. I still laugh. Aaron, you missed this. Um, during the Cowboy-Redskin game, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, one or the other, maybe they both said it, said that we were talking to Bill Callahan, and Callahan said that they've been dropping Montez Sweat into coverage too much for his liking. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And so on Sunday, they just had him rushing the quarterback, and he had two sacks. And he ended up with seven sacks on the year. Two sacks, two, uh, th- three tackles for a loss, broke up a couple of other uh, quick screen uh, opportunities by Prescott. He looked pretty good. Now, what if they draft Chase Young on top of that? Um, these are all good problems to have. Uh, I personally think Cole Holcomb would make a very good weak side linebacker with his speed. I think Ryan Anderson would make a very good strong side outside linebacker. In terms of your middle linebacker, Reuben Foster or John Bostic. I like Bostic. I thought Bostic at times was okay. As bad as the defense was this year, there was still some recognition that there's some talent. Sean Deion Hamilton is a middle linebacker? Eh, I don't know. Um, I, I like Holcomb, though, as a speedy outside will linebacker, weak side linebacker. And I thought Ryan Anderson was the most improved player on the team. And then, you know, Jack Del Rio, they, they, just as a quick note, you know, both of these coaches have coached 3-4 defenses before. You know, it's not like they've always been 4-3 guys. But Del Rio made it very clear that he, they, they see the team as a 4-3 team with the talent that they have. And I think we'll hear more about that today at the press conference. Um You know, the other thing I hope they recognize is you play a 4-3 and you play a lot of cover one behind it. You got to get your free safety, but Landon Collins is your in-the-box safety, man. He's good. You've got some things defensively. That's why I say minimum at minimum. This team's going to be better defensively. I'd be last year I said I'd be surprised if they're not improved defensively. Now I'll tell you I'd be surprised if they're not massively improved defensively. Like 32nd on third down into the top 12 on third down next year. I don't know. We'll see. They got a, they, they need a safety, they need another corner, they need another pass rusher on defense. Um Okay, quick word about mybookie.ag. If you are wagering these days uh, and you don't have a place or you want to wager these days and you don't have a place, mybookie.ag. Use my promo code, KevinDC. They'll match up to half of your deposit. You want a place that's reliable, mybookie.ag is reliable. You want a place that offers quality lines and several different ways to wager, as I was doing in-game action uh, the day before yesterday and even yesterday. Had Kentucky in-game. Uh, went Kentucky in game at, at a pick'em, Aaron against Virginia Tech. That was a hell of a game. Their quarterback had 233 yards rushing as a former wide receiver. Um, that was a really good game. Uh, some of the games yesterday were pretty good too. But mybookie.ag, uh, all the bowl action, all the NFL playoff action coming up, um, and use my promo code Kevin DC. They'll match your deposit up to a thousand dollars on a two thousand dollar deposit. All right, let's uh, let's get Scott Van Pelt on the show here. Um, Happy New Year to you. You too. I haven't. You haven't been on the show in a while. 
You know, You're on way too early for me. You're I know. Way too early. I know. On the on the radio show, I know that that to be true. But um, you know, on the podcast, um, we're much more flexible. But I, 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 for for years, as many of you out there listening know, Scott was basically a weekly guest on the radio show, and even on last year's podcast before I went back to radio, every week. I mean, we missed weeks here and there because you're on vacation or something happened. But for the most part, a consistent guest, and people always enjoyed the conversations. But I feel like as we just called you to get you on it's actually been a while it's been too long do you feel that way or are you are you being uh sarcastic because i i sense some sarcasm there no well of course that because you know me and you assume i'm just i'm thinking along with you as you say this and i'm thinking man i don't like did i fall out of favor what happened here i used to well i used to come on and do this quite a bit and 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 this is this is the first time in quite a while, but a good time to come on and talk, given what's going on. Yeah, it is. Um, well, you know, it's not about that. It's about me, you know, respecting your your schedule and how late you're on. And, and uh, you know, just got to the point where I just didn't want to bother you anymore. I, we, we bother each other all day long, not on the air. That's true. Why, why continue That's to do true. it on the air? But I'm glad you're on. Um, what do you make <laughs> of the Reds? What do you make of the Redskins right now? It's frightening to me, and here's why. I think, I think, I think it's the Godfather scene. I think they're pulling me back in. Really? I think so. I think, I think I'm, and and, and I'm regretting it because uh, all the while I'm saying, "Son of a bitch!" I, they're going to convince me that there's an adult in the room, and it's Rivera, and they got rid of Bruce, and. We're going to turn this thing around, and I'm going to I'm going to get back on board here, and I'm going to find my Charlie Taylor jersey, <laughs> and I'm going to dust it off. And, and I know it's, honestly, here's the here's the truth. I sent a, I sent a text to our friend Steve Sands the other day, yeah. who like me is a native Washingtonian, like me, a, a, a kid that grew up with the Skins, and uh, I said. This is the kind of thing that could that could get me optimistic, and he said I feel the exact same. And Kevin, I think a lot of people uh, around the area, like me, who have felt um, I don't know what the right word is, disenfranchised is too dramatic. Um, but but there's people that used to care, who who have gotten to a point where they just don't anymore. Um, I didn't do that because I wanted to. I did it because the organization had left me no choice. A guy like Rivera, I believe is the sort of person um, who, if he's given the autonomy to do his job, can do it well and um, and get this franchise back uh, to a place where you, at 1 o'clock on Sunday, say, all right, I'm not going to watch the Reds then. What, what, channel, what channel are the Reds get on? Wow. Um, so a couple of things there. Number one, I, I'm a Ron Rivera fan too, and I have been for a while. Um, I, I just think he's a hell of a coach and I've always enjoyed, you know, every time, you know, I've had Carolina or watched Carolina, I've always had this sense, you know what? They're well coached. They're tough. They're hard nosed. They're physical. They're just well coached. And we know how respected he is as a leader and a mentor and all that stuff. It it was actually the response from his former players when he got fired, I found to be incredible because it was all overwhelmingly positive positive. Not one disgruntled ex-player saying anything negative, and they've all gone out of their way to say incredibly positive things about him to the Redskins. But um, beyond that, you said something else, and that is as long as he's allowed to do what he wants to do. Why now versus when Shanahan was hired and given all of that perceived authority? 
and that's and that's a reasonable question, which is why I said I I I I think I I feel like I regret it as it's happening, because what what evidence would there be that suddenly Dan Snyder would would have this epiphany that he would not put his finger in the soup that he would actually let Ron Rivera cook cook the meal. I would think this many years of sustained decline from within his customer base and going Sunday after Sunday to that stadium to see it taken over by opposing fans. Um, look, I, I, I don't know the man, but I don't think he's I don't think he's a dummy. I think you can get blinded. I think you can see what you want to see. But at some point, I believe he must be a smart man. And a smart man at some point has to do the smart thing. And getting convincing Ron Rivera to take this job when I think that given the other opportunities, he would have had other suitors, I'm, I was stunned that, that they were able to get a hire of this consequence. Because my fear was that given how the organization had sort of fallen into disrepair, they wouldn't be able to attract this level of a coach. So it's the, that alone is encouraging to me, that, that Ron Rivera was willing to take it. Um, and look, I, I don't know the behind-the-scenes conversation. I mean, maybe he just wanted a gig and it's the first port in a storm and he took it. I don't know. But I'm, I'm choosing to be optimistic here, even though, as you ask, you know, intelligently, why would I think this? Because that sort of defies intelligence, given what's going on. I think what it is, Kevin, is after this many years of, of feeling indifferent, I feel I'm, I'm, I'm tired of that. So I, I'm, I want to kind of buy in. And look, if I'm Charlie Brown running up to kick the football and, and I'm, you know, I'm flat on my back, flying through the air, getting ready to land on my back after they, they hoodwink me again, then so be it. I mean, uh, I just I just feel like I want to root for the team again. And this this gives me a, a, a window into that. That and the young defense that I think has talent and Chase Young and Haskins look good in the end. Let's go. Let's go. I mean, so it, what's weird about this is it hasn't even been the dysfunction that sort of pushed you away you know geography sort of pushed you away your job For sort sure. of pushed you away I mean you 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 grew up a Redskins fan you were a huge Redskins fan you remember the glory days you were a massive fan going to games you know living and dying just like all of us did with all of those games but you and I have been friends for 30 plus years and I would say over the last 20 you haven't cared at all like and it wasn't yeah. about Snyder or the losing or anything else you just sort of grew apart from the team well, I, I, and now all of a sudden you're excited about it. Well, I, listen, I, I think, I think, and I've explained it this way. When, and granted, growing up there was a different time. It, it wasn't internet. It wasn't this, that, and the other thing. It was watching Brenner. It was watching George Michael. It was watching, reading the post. It was watching the games because that was the only game that was on in town, right? I was immersed in it because I was surrounded by it and all of the ancillary supporting uh, programming. And also, they were really good. <laughs> so rooting for the team was just what you did. Moving away, as I did, in 90, end of 94, 95, and the coinciding sort of decline made the breakup kind of inevitable. It's like, if you, it's like you date somebody and then you move away and it's long distance. Well, if it's long distance and the person is kind of nuts, you go, you know what, I don't really want to talk to you anymore. And, and so the Redskins, you know, they made it easy to kind of break up over time. You know what's interesting, too, is that 
we, you and I have both <clears throat> over the years been critical of people who've been so much into fantasy football where they don't root for teams anymore. They just root for their fantasy football team. And in many right. ways, gambling did that to us and to you in, in, in particular, because geographically you were far away and the way you just explained it, you didn't have all of those local things keeping you interested. But the bottom line is Sundays during football season, for a long time, I mean, the Redskins game's always important to me, but the, 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 the sides that I have have always been almost equally important. And you... Sure. you I, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, yeah, that, I mean, sure. If, you, you know, if you're trying to root home of some underdog getting four and a half, I mean, that becomes where you're emotionally tied. And then, you know, the fantasy piece, which is actually a, fantasy, a, a, a fascinating conversation... Uh, about where the league is, because I, I think more and more, I, like I almost wonder. I, actually, I don't wonder. I would say I, I would I would bet that the greater percentage of fans of football now are fans of their team, meaning fantasy team, than an actual team that belongs to a city. I really believe that. Um, that the, and, and look, for the league's concern, as long as you're interested in something that you're going to watch, and the ratings are astounding yeah. and they're bulletproof. Um, but that, that look that that's sure that happened. But look, that also happened, Tech Kevin, to you and to me because the Redskins stopped being what they were under Coach Joe. And the, nothing like even if you had big big money on a side, I mean, unless you were stuck and you're going to have to settle with somebody with money you didn't have. Yeah, unless that God knows we we've, we've been there. Um, your your heart and your uh, your emotions were far more invested in, in the outcome of a Redskins game on a given Sunday than on your your sheet. Um, <laughs> through the years, no, but it, then yeah, but I'm sorry. It, it, yeah, go it, it ahead. Pivoted, it, it pivoted because things the bottom fell out. But I mean, I say the bottom fell out. Like the bottom has really only fallen out here lately, locally, and you know it better than I, being there. And what what the true appetite is for going out to the game and supporting that team. And I, I rock bottom gets used really casually. I saw Tom Boswell wrote an article like it was after the Eagle game or something that was no the Jet. I don't even remember it was. It was Jets. It was the Jet game, and it was like that was rock bottom. And I, and I, I just thought it was a curious time to pick to say this. I mean, this more than anything else. There, there have been so many episodes of it. I said on my show, it's not, it's not a, a, a moment. It's a perpetual state. This is a perpetual state of rock bottom. So, getting rid of the GM and getting a coach like Rivera, honestly, just it feels like, like this crack on the horizon where I think I see the sun coming up. You know, maybe maybe it's a tr- an oncoming train. I don't know. Uh, I just choose to be optimistic right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I spent three hours this morning and even the first part of this podcast just saying I am in a different place with a different outlook right now for the moment, you know, because Bruce Allen's gone. That was an absolute must. It was the easy thing to do. It was the obvious thing to do. It was done two to three years too late, and I don't think Ron Rivera would be here if Bruce Allen were here. I don't think there's any chance of that. Um and then on top of that, you know, the next step was actually the one that was more impressive. And you mentioned it, and, and I, you're 100% right, that they were able to attract Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera probably would have had better options, at least, you know, perception-wise, better options, and he chose here. Now, one of the things people say about Dan, he's not great as a public speaker or a public communicator, but he's a very good small-gathering, one-on-one salesman. And I had somebody tell me last week, you know, you'd be surprised, like, if he, if he, he might end up getting somebody that you think they can't attract because they get into the room and Dan convinces them. Um, about this place. And 
You know, you mentioned this, the nostalgia. I actually, just as an aside, I hope there's not a lot of nostalgic talk today. It, the, the It's too, um, Scott, repetitive, rinse and repeat with the three Lombardi trophies and the announcement of a new coach or the announcement of Scott McLuhan or whatever, and it's always about this storied history and brand. Nobody gives a shit about that anymore. you know. And one of the encouraging quotes from Rivera in the press statement that announced him being hired is he said, you know, and I'm paraphrasing because I had it in front of me before. Let me see if I can find it real quickly. Um, oh, here it is. Uh, while I love the storied history of the franchise, I'm focused on the future and excited for the opportunity. I, I just hope today somebody out there, and they've never been very good at sort of you know feeling what their customers are feeling, um, I just hope somebody says, don't trot the Lombardi trophies out today and, and don't talk about you know Joe Gibbs in the past because they're generations now, two of them, that don't even know of that. Uh, it just doesn't matter you're, anymore. You're right. You're right, and honestly, the, the, the smart thing, because, I mean, look, if you've won them, it, they're hard to win. You know, there aren't many of them. There, there are plenty of teams that don't have any, and three's a lot. But I, I agree, because I think, the, I, I hate this word, but it's, it's the optics of the optics, what it looks like when you trot those out. It's, it's sad to me, because it's, it's, you know, it's so long ago. The smart thing would be to say, we're proud as an organization of our past, and that we have won those trophies. But we're what we're trying to do is to, as the playoffs begin this weekend, we're trying to get back to the first step of that. And it's a process to get to that. And we feel like we've made that, that, that significant first step in hiring this man, right? Because that's what it is. You're, you're just trying to get back to the tournament. Be one of the 16, the 18, rather, that, that, that have an opportunity. Um, and, and then go from there. But you're, you're right. The idea of starting at the end, at the finish line, like you know, we're gonna try to get another one of these. It's pretty, pretty yeah. trophy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, cool. it's an old it's an how old trick. Have, how about trying to have a have a majority of the fans in the stadium when you're when you're at home next year against somebody? How about that? Yeah, Let's start with um, that. It's six too. Uh, one of the six per conference. Um, so the other th- interesting thing about Rivera, I'm a fan. It sounds like you are too. And it's, I've had multiple friends uh, say to me, "Dude." The guy coached for nine years. He's got six losing yep. seasons in Carolina. Yep. And, you know, what's funny yep. is I had to go look it up, you know, to make sure that, that they were being straight up with me because it didn't seem that way to me. But, yep. you know, the last two have been because his franchise quarterback was compromised last year in the second half of the season and really not a part of this season. And, uh, you know, and, and one of those losing seasons, they actually won the division and won a playoff game as a 7-8-1 and one division winner. But still... I, I just have always felt, you know, ba- not based on results, but based on watching that team. And they've had a lot of big games over the years. I thought they were well coached. What do people, you know, what do you think? And what do, what do your, the people that you work with think, you know, when someone says Ron Rivera's a really good coach, except for the fact that he's lost in six of nine, nine seasons, he's had a losing record. It's just weird. Well, I'll tell you what I think as a start. Yeah. When I hear that stat, I say, okay, cool. And the Washington Redskins, this century have had five winning seasons, and one of them was eight, seven, and one, right. and another was nine, seven. So I'm not too troubled about what you're telling me, particularly understanding the context of those losing seasons they had, as you just explained. I start with this respect of the room. His players adored him. And he has a, a an unusual kind of level of, of buy-in from guys. He look, he did played in the played in the Super Bowl game as a player, got to the Super Bowl as a coach. 
he understands what it is, what what the ask is of his of his players, and he gets a a level of commitment. And you pointed out something about Carolina. And look, Tepper comes in and he's got kind of a different idea of what he wants to do. And I get it. He's he's an owner that wants to to shake things up, and he's talked about his process and what he's intent on doing. Okay, I get it. So you, so you feel like you need a new voice in the room. That happened. Happened to Andy Reid in Philadelphia. Obviously, Rivera didn't have as much success in Philly, but it's the same idea, right? So all I know is everybody that I know that knows him uh, from within the league are like, like make the like big googly eyes, like the emoji, and are like, I'm amazed they could get him. Like that's an incredibly good get, and that comes from inside inside football. Uh, their level of respect for him. Um, and just the idea that on the way out there wasn't a single dissenting voice, there wasn't anybody mfing the guy about uh, he was, you know, he was full of this or that. No, none of that. So um, that's why I was as uh, as wowed by this hire. And I, if people are going to get bogged down and you know only three win, only three winning, see, I get it, I understand that. But I think there's nuance to, to numbers. You know, you can make him say whatever you want. I'll, I'll say he was still over 500. You'll say, well, 115 in one season only helps with that. I'll say that's fair. But I'll, I'll say there's only been 50-some-odd Super Bowls, and he got his team to one of them. So, um, look, again, well, why not go the coordinator route? Well, they just did that, you know. They did that. With, and I, I wasn't anti-Gruden at all. But, like, you know, last year it was hire anybody that was friends with Sean McVay. Did anybody know him? You ever met McVay? Okay, you can come be our coach. You know what I mean? It was, hey, are you a young, hot guy with a beard? All right, let's hire you. I mean, there's these sort of cyclical approaches around the NFL. The Redskins need an old-school dude like Ron Rivera at this time in their franchise history. Does it guarantee it's going to work? No. But, it, 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 look, it's good enough to get two old heads like you and me kind of nodding and going, all right, let's see what we got here. And that's that's a big deal, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I, I mean... Yes, I completely agree. I mean, the, the the bottom line is it's not just a new coach they need in Washington. They need a new culture. Um, and he so bad. No, it's damn good, Kevin. Damn good. No, it's damn good culture. Um, but he got to Carolina off a two and fourteen season. That you know he went through this with a rebuild, with a culture change, and I bet we'll hear him speak to that today. And I think it's an admission from the owner to talk about culture, which he did in his statement when he fired Bruce Allen, when he hired um, in the press statement that we uh, got yesterday morning on the announcement of Ron Rivera. It's, it's the, he, Scott, big picture, Bruce is gone, better than expected coach and leader and culture changer in Ron Rivera in. The huge wild cards here are, will the owner own differently moving forward? And is the quarterback good enough? Because it doesn't matter how great a culture you have and how great of a head coach that you have. In this league, you got to have the quarterback too. And it's interesting because that'll be one of the first things. If he isn't, if he comes to the conclusion that Haskins isn't the guy, and you know, I think we've talked about this, I'm much more um, bullish on Haskins than I was a few months ago. I actually think there's a chance he could end up being a pretty decent quarterback. But if he doesn't, Rivera, he's got to be able to have the power to say to Dan, "Your guy's not going to cut it. We got to go out and make. We got to draft somebody. I've spent three months that's with so him. True. We got to draft somebody." That's so, that's so true because, as we all know, that the affinity that the owner has for certain players uh, can create. Not just a blind spot, but a blindfold, right? Um, and 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 we all know that that was his guy. And I think we, like you, saw a, a guy. And, and I'm with you. He was better in the end than I was expecting. 
but you're right. If Rivera just comes in and for whatever reason, if if, he, if over time it, it reveals itself that it's not going to work, and Rivera goes to the owner and says this is going to work, and Snyder says, well, yes, it is. Then that's where the that's where the record scratch, you know, happens, and you're like, oh, not this again, right? Yeah. No, I. But, it's... but listen, let's let's choose to be optimistic. <clears throat> I part, am because it, because it costs the same, and we. God knows we've had our kind of head down for so long. It it, it costs the same, but when you when you are um, when you've been burned multiple times yep. and you've had this you know moment of light at the end of the tunnel, optimism. You know, 2010 is a perfect example. It's almost directly you know it's almost a perfect apples to apples. Vinny Serrato gone, yep. Mike Shanahan in. You know, now Bruce Allen gone, Ron Rivera in. We'll see. You know, he's gonna he's gonna hire a hell of a staff. D- Del Rio already hired, <clears throat> and we'll see what kind of front office structures around him. And if he does have all of that power, which I would prefer and it's legitimate power, you know, it'll be the first time he's had that. Who knows if he's a good GM and head coach? You know, there's a lot here, but the bottom line is it's better today than it was a week ago, by miles. It is. By miles. It is, and, but, 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 you're, but, you're, but you're 100% right, you know. Like, I can say it costs the same, and, and, and somebody, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be cynical. You, you would, but if you asked... Sure, it costs the same, but why would you spend your money on optimism, given what you just laid out? And I, I, my only answer would be that I shrug and say, because I want to. And that's really what it is. <laughs> yes. Well, you have to. I, it's, it's not that you want to. It's that you actually feel it for a moment. So why be dishonest? Well, I do. But I, do, but I, I feel it because I'm allowing myself to. And, and, I, you know, and I haven't really had an opportunity um, to do so. But as you point out, a decade ago, we had that chance. And then, you know, the, 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 the cycle began anew. Yeah, it did. Um, it's it's just it's funny because I took so many calls today and you know on Monday and Tuesday, um, and so many people are you know have this completely rational and justified reaction, which is they're not going to allow themselves to be optimistic because they've been burned too often, and that's what they're choosing to do. And oh, by the way, history's on their side, not our no side right now. Um, all right, uh, so there you go. Scott Van Pelt's actually. Thinking about becoming a Redskin fan once again—that's that's that's what the last few days have produced here. Um, let's talk some college football uh, and go back to Saturday night. How crazy and how good and how entertaining was that Clemson Ohio State game? And did you feel like the better team won the game? I I don't I don't I thought Ohio State was. I thought Ohio State, for for a much larger portion of the game, was better. I know their fan base is irate over officiating. Right. Um, oh yeah, they're they're quite they're quite irate. Uh, a, a portion of whom have informed me on the Twitter machine that uh, our network made it happen because of our buy-in to the ACC <laughs> network. I'm like that's a that's a hell of a trick. We so we we as a network chose the the teams in the playoff. And then we made the officials fix the game. That's that's an incredible amount of power we wield. I don't believe that to be true. I believe that the scoop and score call was awful. I thought it was a catch and a fumble and a touchdown. I thought that hurt Ohio State, obviously. However, they did have the lead after that, and then they let Clemson go 94 yards in four plays. Um, Lawrence on that drive was, was impeccable. But Ohio State settled, Kevin, for three red zone field goals. They were the second-best team in the country scoring touchdowns when they got inside the 20. And they weren't just inside the 20, they were inside the 5. And they settled for three field goals, and they were only ahead 16 nothing. If they were up 21 nothing, 24 nothing, 
then Lawrence isn't doing any of that running. And, you know, I, look, I thought, I thought Ohio State was the better team. And, and frankly, uh, as a fan of just college football, Ohio State-LSU was the game I wanted to see because I thought those two teams were were the best, and I thought whoever was second best was fractionally better than Clemson. And Clemson showed you everything that you'd want a championship team to show you. They kept Ohio State out of the end zone. They had a glimpse of an opportunity to get back in it, and they did. So I'm not saying it was fluky at all that Clemson won. I thought what happened was a great team got a chance to, to, to take it, and they did. Um, I just felt that Ohio State, by and large, um, w- was better uh, for more of the game. Um, but in the end of it, I, you know, it doesn't feel unjust to me, uh, although it does, to, I know, to a lot of Ohio State fans that the outcome was the outcome. Yeah, there is no doubt. First of all, and Aaron was on a ship um, uh, in in uh, on a cruise to the Bahamas, and he's a huge college football fan. You really missed a phenomenal football game. It had it all. No, I got. I got. Oh, to you watch did get to see it. Yes, okay, I got to see this. I one. mean, it had it all. It had incredible plays, incredible players. It had in- game impacting calls, crazy replay yeah. reviews, all of it. But and the bottom let me line. Interject one thing. Let yeah. Me, let, let me interject one one more thing before you get to your bottom line. Is that my guy Stanford Steve was at that game. I know. And, uh, and, it dropped and a keep pass. Keep in mind, his last, the last game he played in college was the Rose Bowl. Okay, so that's that's the level he played at. And he said, "Man, I haven't seen a game that physical in a long, long time." And so, when a guy who's done it walks away from field level, shaking his head at what those teams were kind of doing, it, it just adds to what you're saying about the players and the and the plays and the moments. Just the level of physicality and the level of want to on both sides. He he found. You know, worth mentioning. Uh, so, it, sorry, it, the, it, it the was, bottom it, line was what? It was, well, but, but just to add to that before I get to the bottom line, which you've already stated, and I'm just going to restate. That game was one of those games, and I love those games, that are so hard-hitting, and you could see it, the wear and tear on the players as the game went on. They were exhausted. Justin Fields really ran out of gas in many ways, even though he was in the midst of producing perhaps the game-winning drive um, before that tragic interception, if you had Ohio State um, in the game, uh, you know, uh, 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 laying the points. But... um, the bottom line was Ohio State kicked field goals instead of scoring touchdowns, and it That's wasn't it. that they were stopped. They stopped themselves. They dropped two touchdown passes. And if they're, totally up, if they're up 20 to nothing or 24 to nothing at that point, it's over. Like, it's over. Ohio State's totally not giving up a 24 to nothing lead um, to Clemson. The, the last part of that game, though, Trevor Lawrence, you know, all of the Burrow talk, all of the Tua talk, all of the Trevor Lawrence talk of the last couple of years. Like, you know, here are the two quarterbacks that are going to be number one, you know, this year, and then it's the Trevor Lawrence year in 2021. I, you know, I've watched so many Clemson games as you have, and there have been times where I've been like, is, is he really that good? The other night when he, first of all, had that 65-yard run for a touchdown, where he, he showed speed. I had no idea he had that kind of speed running away from Ohio State defensive backs. And then that final drive was legendary. And you could Agreed. see him on the sideline like, we're going to do this. Like, uh, he, if he, uh, he was the number one pick anyway in 2021, and lots of things changed. But, man, was that a moment that sort of – I don't know what's going to happen in the championship game, but he already has had maybe a, a moment that he doesn't need to surpass – no, I agree. I mean, you talk about like you know, in college. It's always like a Heisman moment, but that 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 was a different. That was a number one draft pick moment. You know, against that team, against that remarkable Ohio State team, 
you're 94 yards away, and you need a field goal. And four plays later, they're playing the fight zone because you scored a touchdown. Four. Four. Yeah. That's all it took for them to get down. And part of it maybe is the exhaustion of, of the um, – of the of, of the Ohio State defense, maybe, but also you just had the right calls and the guy, the right guy at the controls making the making the plays. But look, if if there was a, if he was eligible last year, he'd have been the number one pick in the draft. Yeah. Um, that's what everybody tells us from you know NFL circles. Like that's who he was last year, and obviously he can't come out this year either. And you know the year Burroughs had, which is just insane. Uh, and now that's who Lawrence and his team will have to go up against. And you know th- that'll be that'll be some. I mean LSU's. They've been so, so good, and what they've done offensively um, has been really amazing to see. And I'll, I'm curious what the, what they'll do. That Brent Venables uh, coached Clemson defense has been great through the years. Uh, but this is, the, the, a win for them would be slowing down, not stopping. There's no stopping that LSU offense. But if you could slow them down. It's like if you keep them in the 30s, you probably feel pretty good about yourself. You know the Redskins have the number two pick in the draft. Fortunately, they didn't give up. They didn't give that up uh, in the last couple of weeks when they nearly beat Philadelphia and the Giants um, at home. Um, and you know, so a lot of Redskin fans were tuned into college football for the first time with the playoff game. Uh, they don't watch it as much as as you and I do, and Aaron does. And Chase Young's been a dominant player um, this year, dominant. Like you know, McShay's already said he's better than both of the Bosa's, um, and most people have him as the number one overall guy in on their draft board. Even though Cincinnati, more likely than not, you would think would take a quarterback, perhaps Burrow at number one. Um, so a lot of Redskin fans hit me up with, "Man, your boy's not that good. He was terrible. He didn't come up big in the in the biggest game that mattered." I actually disagree with that. But what did the guys down there or up there at, at the, that you talked to, and what did you? think about Chase Young's performance in that game because that was a big moment for him I mean I, I would first ask the people that thought he didn't play well did, like how big's your TV you got one of them big ones where you can see the whole game or you got like an older TV Ex- yeah exactly like, wood, like with a wood console like are you kidding me I mean Clemson's O-line like did a remarkable job but they did so by doubling him at every turn and even then he's still fractionally uh, a, a second away from getting to Lawrence. Keep in mind who they're going up against. The quarterback they're going up against is, is as good as anybody, and he was just getting passes away where, where Young didn't arrive. Like, I mean, look, Ohio State was playing the best team they played all year in, 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 in Clemson. So it would stand to reason that that you know that Young would be challenged in ways maybe he hadn't been throughout the year. So uh, I nobody put it this way. No, not one same evaluator walked away with anything other than the same grade they had of Chase Young. Yeah. He's the same disruptor. He's the same level of talent. You know, If you didn't see what you, like video game numbers and six sacks, well, that's because the, the opposition they were playing was, was worthy. Exactly. Um, did you have Wisconsin yesterday? Wasn't involved. Oh, you that were? Was a, that was a, no, that would have been a bad beat if, oh. if you did. I mean, unbelievable. They were, again, like Ohio State, maybe even more so, they were better than Oregon the entire game. And somehow lost well, they that had their game. Punter, they had their punter just drop a ball. Just dropped the it. Second game in a row. Just second. T- that happened to him in the Big Ten title game. Like, oh, that's what are right. You doing? Yeah, just dropped the punt. What, what, uh, snap. What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> it's it's ball. And he got returned for a touchdown. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yesterday, um, n- not so good. I had Minnesota. That was that was good. Uh, I had okay. Michigan, 
who really was in that game the entire game. If you just no look, if you looked at that final score and said, oh, Alabama blew out, you know, Jim Harbaugh loses another game. They were up at halftime, Michigan was, and they were driving. But how many did they have, Kevin? How many did they have? They had 16, and why did they have 16? Yeah, because, because they were kicking field goals. goals. Yeah, but, but yeah. in that game, unlike the Ohio State-Clemson game, Alabama's defense actually really did a good job in the red zone. Um, but the um, – but they had the ball driving in the fourth quarter down 21 to 16 and if you're getting seven and a half it seemed like a pretty good spot until Jerry Judy stepped in on the next drive good god they're 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 pretty good their talent and their speed and their playmaking ability at wide receiver I don't know if we've ever seen it unless we're seeing it right now with LSU yeah they're pretty good but in the end it was not it was not a great day for you at the window no it wasn't all right who do you like this weekend in the NFL playoff games um, the opposite of who the public likes, but I don't know if that works anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've been burned here for two months. Oh, we've gotten beaten the, up. Give me the pat. Give me the pats, right? Yeah, because everybody who thinks the, they're the, going to lose. Who are the? Yeah, I actually. Do you like the Eagles? Yes, a lot. Yeah, me too. That's that's the one side that I'm convinced is going to win. Although bet, going against Russell Wilson is terrifying because he. He more consistently pulls rabbits out of hats than anybody in the NFL that I swear to God I've ever seen. He almost did it like, Sunday night. They're an inch away. You know what was nuts? We, on our show the other night, we, we, I literally stopped the highlight before the last play. Um, and it said, here is everything that is still in play going into the last play of the season. If Seattle scores, Green Bay is the one seed. This team's the two. Da-da-da-da. San Francisco's got to go to Philadelphia. If San Francisco stops them, the entire playoff picture is different as a result of the one play, which is the last play of the season. And I was convinced Wilson was going to pull it off. Um, I really don't know how he does it. I really don't. But I like Philadelphia in that game. Yeah, I do too. Um, that, that game was so... I just laughed hard at the way it ended with the uh, – I know you and I have had this conversation already, but nobody's heard it, so we'll have it again. But the the lack of a review of the clear defensive pass interference in the end zone on the third down play, that mm-hmm. it was just so ironic that the team that it impacted the most was the team that the rule was in, essentially influenced by, which were the Saints. The Saints needed that play reviewed and called, uh, called pass interference to get a first-round bye and it wasn't even reviewed which is crazy you know they have they have apparently told Pete Carroll that they missed that that was a defensive pass interference but they didn't feel like it would have been overturned by replay because of essentially the way they've handled that all year long which is it wasn't egregious yeah and that's that's what Ryan Clark said on on the show Sunday which which I think is in, kind of it's interesting honesty is that they put it in to try to prevent the obvious and, and you know the obvious miss in the uh, in the Rams Saints game from last year, and this they felt like was would be more inserting themselves into it because like if you slow it down frame by frame, are you going to see interference on a lot of plays? Yes, you probably will. And Ryan's thought was that those these are the types of plays where they don't want to insert themselves. And I thought, okay, but if you've created that rule. And we all knew when they, when they created that rule that they were going to create that window where that, that could happen. Um, that would have been an, a window where I think it would have been appropriate, but if, if they just chose not to insert themselves, then, then they didn't. But it would have been first down on the goal line. Um, 
And then you would have had a decision to make if you're Seattle. Do you want to you want to have one hand off to Marshawn Lynch for your season because they didn't have any timeout? So I yeah, they could have. They, uh, yeah, I think they could have gotten two plays if it had been you know stopped immediately. But throw one pass. Yeah, throw one pass if it doesn't work. Hand it to Lynch, and you either. No, what I'm saying there. is, I think maybe two runs they could have gotten it off because I think there were 16 seconds left, something like that. I forget what it was, but anyway, um, it's neither here nor there. I mean, Seattle right. would have obviously been more dangerous at home, but they are really banged up as a team too, which is another reason to sort of like Philadelphia on Sunday. Yeah. I, you know, I was I was hoping that Minnesota would go to Seattle. In a, in a in a wild card game, had Seattle won, that would have been what it would have been. It would have been Green Bay and New Orleans. Your boy Kirk, yeah, and, and my boy Kirk. Instead, they got to go to the Superdome, where nobody's giving them a chance. So, based on our theory, plus the eight might be the play. Stay sure. tuned. Take them. Stay tuned. Take them. Have fun with that. <laughs> I hate I hate betting against the Saints in the Superdome. It's just it's one yeah, of those. Go ahead. It's one of those situations as sports fans, you just know it rarely goes well for the visitor. Rarely. And even if it does, it's always like a hold on to your butt like for 60 minutes kind of a deal. It's just it's, it's like going against LSU or, or Ohio State for the bulk of this year. You just knew you were on the wrong side. And it, if you took it because it looked like the, 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 you know, our theory told you you should. Like, well, our theory didn't hold water when it came to those particular teams. No. And then, ironically, you had Ohio State, and they were the right side, and it didn't cover. But, <laughs> right, exactly. That's been, the way this, that's been the way this year's going. All right, last thing, and I'll let you run. Um, Maryland, uh-huh. Indiana, Saturday, um, they let the Twins go, uh, the, the Mitchell Twins go. Give me your overall thoughts on them right now. Well, I mean, there was obviously a lot going on there. Um and I mean, you know, everything that you'd ever heard about those those young men is that they were talented. But and I don't know the, the number, but they, they've been they've been at, at a number of schools in high school. Um, and you know, if the situation just didn't mesh and there was some kind of issue between they and the coach or they within the team and their you know their, that camp that family felt like we're not getting the run we need to get, then for, for, for Mark to pull the plug. Uh, and the, or them to mutually decide, you know, to, to go in different directions. I mean, that's that that that's pretty telling to me because I, I don't think that, that that's the route you'd go unless you felt like it was just really untenable. Um, the fact that you know the guy that got late, this Joel Mariel guy who was on track to, you know, be like the number one pick when he was a sophomore in high school before he got injured, uh, he played well in the brief minutes he had against Bryant. And you know, I wonder if he'll get bullied in the Big Ten just because he's so thin. But you know, a guy as tall and as skilled as he is certainly is a um, a unique person to have to account for. Um, but my, I mean, I'm the same as you. I just hope that whatever got them sidetracked and bogged down um, has the air has been cleared because they've got a lot of talent. Um, and it's just a matter. It's going to be a matter of making shots because this this league's deep and there are a lot of really decent teams. And so if Maryland's going to live up to well, we're some lofty preseason hopes. They're just, it's as simple as making shots. Um, and I think for someone like a Wiggins or an Ayala, you just see the ball go in the basket a couple of times and, and the, the fog lifts there, you know, and the sun comes out. So I think they're going to be good. I think, I think it's, it's been a chance for them to hit the reset button here. Uh, you get a couple at home against Indiana and Ohio State uh, before you hit the road, and then, you know, you're hip deep in the middle of a uh, uh, Big Ten play. 
Yeah, you're right. It is a deep league this year. I don't know if the national championship team resides in the league. It might, um, but it it is a deep league where there's not going to be an easy game. I mean, I don't think Northwestern's that good, um, but other than that... um, They're the one. Like they're 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 the one yeah. they're the one team that that, that you if you play them you got to beat them. But I mean even Rutgers, Rutgers is you know, good. The same Seton Hall team they beat the same Seton Hall team by twenty, Maryland. and they beat them bad. So um, that that team's better. I, I mean we know you know that like a team like a Penn State that people in the past haven't necessarily thought of as being a basketball team. That's a, a ranked good team right there. It's it's a deep deep league. Both Michigan's Iowa's good. Um, obviously Ohio State is is, is the highest ranked of the bunches. You know, Maryland's got to go to Wisconsin and the Kohl Center. Like, they've had some bad losses, but they just went to Tennessee and beat the crap out of yeah. them. So it's like, do you think it's going to be easy to go to Madison? Like, you can't get – that place is, is, is Cameron North. You can't get a call in that building. No chance you can get a call in that building. So, you know, you better buckle up when you go there. Yeah, they've held their last two teams to like 45 or fewer points. Like, they're playing well all of a sudden. And, and the one game they lost here recently was at Rutgers. Wisconsin did like Rutgers and Maryland's got Rutgers twice like Rutgers might be really really surprising uh in the league this year it's going to be an interesting league I they got to they got to win these games at home you know there was so much you think about this it was a month ago and we were talking about the team that was ranked third in the country right did they get up to third third or fourth where were they third Third, third in the country, undefeated. We're sitting there talking about, wow, you know, um, everybody's like, how do you stop them? I mean, they got so many answers. Well, they got two less answers now, although I think Mariel actually played really well in that game and looked really confident, more sort of coordinated, I guess, would be the word than I thought he was. I don't know what I thought he was to begin with, but... um they got to win at home, you know. Like these, the, you know, a team like Indiana is okay. Got to got to beat Indiana at home on Saturday. Yep, have to. And then you know, then you get a chance against a really high ranked team. On a, you know, it's a shame the students aren't away, but that should be a good building. And uh, you know, against Ohio be a State big one for uh, with Ohio State. Yep. All right. See you. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Yep. Yep. Good to talk. See you. All right, uh, long conversation, but a good conversation with Scott. I'm looking at you as we're mentioning the Twins. You didn't even know that the Twins exited the program, did you? No, that came out Friday night. I'm looking it up now, and I was already on the boat, and I had absolutely no idea. Yeah, uh, the Mitchell Twins, highly recruited, you know, multiple high schools in just a few years. Um, We talked about this on the podcast, I guess, on Monday, but... um, I, the 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 higher rated of the two, number twenty one, Mikel or Mackay, I forget which one is which. Number twenty one, really talented. I actually thought both of them were talented, but apparently not a great chemistry situation for them or for the team around them. Uh, the mother Aaron went nuts on Twitter criticizing mm-hmm. Mark Turgeon. I'm seeing that now. Um, I've heard a lot of a lot of support from people who would be in the know for Mark Turgeon on this one. Um, just a very, it was a difficult situation. Uh, and uh, and you got a chance, and you didn't see this against Bryant, this guy, Joel Mariel, 7-2. It, it got a chance to play, and he actually, he's, you can see, he's there's something to him. He is, first of all, around the rim, you're not going to go in and just dunk on him. You know, he's going to throw it back a few times if he's in the game. He'll have a couple of block shots a game, but he actually looked more coordinated to me uh, than I thought. All right, um... All right, I wanted to get to a few more things real quickly before the end of the show. Number one, you know, Carolina's a uh, team on the schedule for the Redskins next year. They're coming to FedEx Field. 
just, you know, Ron Rivera against his former team, maybe uh, a Sunday opener in September, uh, early September, maybe a Monday night game in late September. You threw out earlier maybe a Thursday night game, you know, Carolina-Washington, maybe. I mean, he gets to face his former team in his first year in Washington. Um, Secondly, real quickly, before I get to one last thing on Ron Rivera, the Eric Schaefer story from the other day, Doc had it that he was fired, and then J.P. Finley had it that he was fired, and then Pro Football Talk had it that he was fired, and then everybody else coming back saying, no, he's not, and then Pro Football Talk saying, oh, we screwed it up, he isn't. Oh, wait a minute, he is. Wait a minute, he isn't. It went back and forth. It was it was crazy there for a couple of hours on Tuesday about Eric Schaefer. And by the way, in what other city do people get wrapped up about the Eric Schaefer types only here. It's like Tony Wiley, the PR guy only in Washington. Do you know who Tony Wiley is? Um, Eric Schaefer has been the cap guy, been the contract guy. You know, he's the reason people know his name is because over the years you've looked for somebody that, you know, seemed to be a high quality guy and smart and Eric Schaefer compared to all of his, you know, peers and all of his, his, his workmates looked incredibly competent. But really, I mean, Eric Schaefer isn't instrumental or vital to the football operation. He's well-respected. I don't know if he'll stick or not. Pro Football Talk ended up saying that he's going to be let go in May. So I don't even know how that works. He sticks around through free agency, through the draft, and then he's let go in May. Or maybe Ron Rivera likes him and keeps him. I have no idea. But anyway, this was my point on this. A lot of you tweeted me I had several friends text me and say, this is brilliant by Dan Snyder. He's trying to determine who the leak is in the organization and who the, who the leak has been. Well, first of all, one of the big leaks got fired on Monday. Just understand that. Secondly, why would he leak something sort of that damages Eric Schaefer, even if it's just for a brief couple of hours? Like, if he's going to leak something... To find out who the leaker is, it's going to leak some sort of big name. Going to be hired as the offensive coordinator. Norv Turner's coming to Washington. You know, whatever. You know, um, I, why would he put Eric Schaefer through that? The answer is he wouldn't. So they weren't trying to be clever. And by the way, they're not clever enough to figure out how to do this. They weren't trying to identify who the leak in the organization was by leaking out that Eric Schaefer had been fired. According to Pro Football Talk, Eric Schaefer was telling people the night before that he had been fired. I don't know if it's true or not. I do know this about my good friend Richard Doc Walker. He doesn't break news. The reason he brought it up is somebody gave him, told him that, somebody who would be in the know, and Doc on the air was saying how shocked he was about it, how stunned he was about it, because he's a big Eric Schaefer fan. He likes Eric a lot. Um, Antonio Brown claimed that the workout in New Orleans was a publicity stunt. Did you see all of this about Antonio Brown's workout with Sean Payton and the Saints and him claiming that this was an NFL publicity stunt? What does the NFL or the Saints get out of it for a publicity stunt? Well, here was the best part of this. The best part of it was that Antonio Brown, when he went to the Saints workout, Antonio Brown brought with him a bunch of friends and associates, including someone who was documenting the visit with a video camera and posting clips of this visit on social media throughout the day. 
He's claiming that it was a publicity stunt, yet he was the one that brought the cameraman and was posting all of these clips to social media. I can't figure out whether or not he's just stupid or whether or not he's just really troubled. I think it's the latter. I don't think he's brilliant, but I think it's more of the latter. I just keep feeling this is not going to end well for him. Um, All right, uh, lastly... Mike Silver wrote this story about um, about Ron Rivera last week, before even the rumors about Ron Rivera um, to the Redskins were even really started. Um, and I read some of it to you either on Monday or Tuesday. I forget which day this week. I read to you the part where basically, you know, Rivera's anxious to get back to work, anxious to coach, and talking about some of the things that, you know, he would be looking for in his next venture. You know, he was, was going to look at the whole picture. He wanted to be able to get the coaching staff that he wanted. He wanted to be able to collaborate and have cooperation between him and the general manager and ownership, yada, yada, yada. So I went through that the other day. Um, I didn't read to you this one section of Mike Silver's story, which you should read. It's actually a really good profile of Ron Rivera over the last month in particular, but also about him in Carolina and his life, actually. Um, Just Google Mike Silver and Ron Rivera and you'll get the story. It's on NFL.com. But there was this one section of the story that Silver wrote that said Rivera was recalling a story from early in his Panthers tenure when he publicly took the blame for his players' failure to execute the coach's plan. The following day, he read a quote from one of his players in the newspaper that set him off. Now, keep in mind, he showed up in Carolina in 2011. They were off a 2-14 and season. They were several years removed from the really good John Fox teams. Carolina had some really good teams under John Fox. They went to the Super Bowl with John Fox, lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl, had some really good teams. Jake DeLome, remember him as the quarterback of the Panthers in the Super Bowl? So Rivera got there, and it's very similar to what he sees in Washington, I'm sure, which is a chance to change the culture and to take a franchise at rock bottom, they were 2-14, and and turn it around. But he was recalling this story from early in that Panthers tenure when he's trying to change the culture, when he's trying to create a winning atmosphere. And he took the blame for the player's failure to execute the coach's plan in a loss early in that first season, I'm assuming, is what they're referring to. And then the next day, he reads a quote from one of his players in the newspaper that sets him off. And then he described it, quote, The player said, you know, this is how we did it last year. It worked great for us. I'm not sure why he, Rivera, wants to change things. And Rivera recalls he lost his frickin' mind. Quote, I had this PowerPoint presentation all set, but instead I walked into this meeting, I had the newspaper rolled up, and I got in front of the team. I said, let me tell you guys something just so you fucking understand this. If you do things the way we ask, the way you're coached, the way it's planned, and it works, you guys will get all the kudos. If it fails, it's on me. That's what I'm telling you. But if you go out and you do your own damn thing and we fucking lose, it's on you. And I will never fall on the sword for you again. That's fucking bullshit. Sit there and say that what we did last year worked? So 2-14 and 14 was fucking good enough for you guys? Fuck you! And I threw the paper down and walked out. I was very blunt about it. And that's it. If they're not all in, if they're not willing to do it your way, it's time to fucking get rid of these guys. And that's What happened? We systematically got rid of guys that weren't doing it our way. Closed quote. 
That's what you're getting in Ron Rivera, Redskin fans. You're getting a no-nonsense, no-bullshit guy who has incredible, incredible respect after he's gone through all of this from all of the players that stuck with him. He is going to give, allow people, this is going to be new for this organization, okay? Humility. Humility. Quality. He's going to, he's going to, when the, if they win, everyone else will get the credit. If he loses, he's going to take all the blame, but he's going to do it with his people. So the most important thing about what happens after today and moving forward is he gets to do it his way. He's got to be able to do it his way and only his way. Hopefully he negotiated that into his contract. Hopefully that's the reason he took this gig is because he was promised that. And given the history of this organization, I've said this for many years, if you're going to come in here, you better not just get a promise. You better get it in writing. Uh, I'm excited about Ron Rivera. I am. I'm excited that Bruce Allen's gone. I'm excited about what's to come. I just hope that, as I mentioned earlier in the show, the two wild cards, the owner and the quarterback, turn out to be positives for the organization moving forward. I feel better about the quarterback than I do the owner, um, but I do like Ron Rivera. Tomorrow, Tommy will be with me, and we will obviously recap the Ron Rivera press conference, which takes place a couple of hours from now. Um, thanks to Scott. Great to have Aaron back. Uh, back tomorrow with Tommy. Enjoy the day.